you're listening to the Social Hub Podcast, a place where we give small brands the skills and know-how to master all their social media, digital and content marketing. I'm your host, Stacey Cranich, mum, champagne drinker and self-confessed karaoke queen. Join me in a journey of real conversations and meaningful messages that will help you grow in your business and life so you can have the most epic version of both. If you have a big vision and are ready to shine, then grab a cuppa or a cocktail and listen in. Today's instalment of The Motherhood Chronicles, a series of podcast episodes with mums talking the realities of life and business, is with a beautiful lady who I just think the entire world needs to know about and hear from, and that lady is Anna Cusack. Anna is a postpartum doula, and I absolutely know that had I had someone like Anna in my life almost 13 years ago when I was navigating those first few months of motherhood well, wouldn't life have been a crap load easier for me back then? I know that navigating those first few months or what some have coined the fourth trimester is hard work. And I often say that I take my hat off to any mom raising a business and babies at the same time. Anna calls herself a motherhood revolutionist. She's an author, podcaster, blogger, and speaker, and she reaches thousands of women every year with evidence-based information and inspirational, actionable content. Anna combines her knowledge in areas such as traditional postpartum care, breastfeeding support, sociology, and exercise physiology to guide women through their transition to parenthood and early years of mothering. Her services include post-birth planning, in-home and online post-birth support, and mentoring for mothers and the professionals who work with them. Anna is also the published author of Mama, You're Not Broken, Unmasking the Unspoken Emotions of Modern Motherhood, and it is out now and ready to purchase. You can also find her on the Motherhood Made Magic podcast. Now, while Anna is doing all of this amazing work in the world, she also is the mum of a beautiful little girl. And she shares really openly in this episode how she's navigated business and mum life by seeking and creating community and giving herself permission to do business with a baby and a small child by her side the whole way. All the details to connect with Anna, get a copy of her amazing book or listen to her super cool podcast is over on the show notes page for today's episode, which is all the W's, the socialhubau.com forward slash 75. And for now, let's hand it over to Anna. All right, welcome Anna to today's episode of the podcast. I'm really excited about this series and really excited to have you on today. And what I've loved so far about recording these episodes is having new voices on the podcast that haven't been on there before and, you know, exposing my audience to some some new people. So it's nice to have kind of, you know, fresh blood on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's fun to be one of those fresh new new voices to your thing. Yeah, it's cool. So I'm going to hand straight over to you. I'd love you to tell everyone a little bit about you and about your business. And you've got some really exciting things going on at the moment. So yeah, cool. So my name's Anna Kuzak. I am living around sort of the western edge of Lake Macquarie, Newcastle area in New South Wales with my lovely little daughter. So if you hear some toddler noise around in the background, 
that's just how it is. So I call myself a motherhood revolutionist and my work is really looking at how can we best support women who are in the process of becoming mothers because it really doesn't just happen overnight with the flick of a switch when that baby lands on your chest or comes into your care or you become a stepmother or however it comes about. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a, it's a process that happens over years. Nine months of pregnancy doesn't really prepare you for the nope. deep, deep learning curve that <laughs> nope. postpartum is. And, and really our concept of postpartum is a bit awry as well. The first couple of years at least, your brain and your hormones are going through some really massive changes. And women don't even know about that, let alone knowing where and how to get the support. So I have a few arms to what I do. Uh, one of those is as a postpartum planning support person and a postpartum doula so rather than looking at preparing for birth I'm looking at how can we prepare your family and you emotionally for what's coming how can we know help partners know what they can do and be most useful in doing and how can we connect people as a couple in those early years rather than or early months sorry rather than it becoming this mother baby over one side of the room and partner on a separate couch or perhaps older siblings feeling a bit jilted how can we make this a collective cohesive experience and then supporting families in their homes or through remote kind of mentoring to put those things into place in the early months so you can kind of think of a postpartum doula as like the mary poppins of motherhood we're there <laughs> when you need us in those in that early time and we can be the listening ear we can help you find a resource we can help to know what is and isn't normal and who's local in your in your area to organize a consultation straight away you know if you need lactation consultant straight away sort of thing we just tee that up for you so it's looking at all that kind of thing but also I have a background as a health professional so my work previously as an exercise physiologist kind of feeds into an interest in women's physical health and rehabilitation so I do a bit of consulting and some programs around that. And also I've just started mentoring some of the professionals who work with women in both of those capacities. So sometimes, for example, personal trainers or physiotherapists are working with a lot of new mums, but they perhaps don't have the understanding of how the, part, how the postpartum process works emotionally yeah. and physiologically. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of just helping them to upskill in those areas so that they can deliver their clients even better value than what they do already, how they can be even more holistic in their approach if that's their intention. So that's kind of what I do on a business setting. I have a podcast as well, Motherhood Made Magic, and I also have just written a book, Mama, You're Not Broken, Unmasking the Unspoken Emotions of Modern Motherhood, which is a bit of a mouthful when I say it out loud, but it's really just all those bits that don't get talked about between the highlight reel and the oh my God, this is so hard. Like I'm not going to survive this. Yep. We spend a lot of our time in the middle part and that middle messy part is not what is the main conversation. Yeah. And that's like 100% my purpose in this series was to bring those conversations out into the mainstream where mm. people can talk about it because, you know, it's the Instagram feed of the perfect, I call them the Huggies mum, you know, yeah. like the old... <laughs> the Huggies ad where it was like everything was perfect and it's all through like this stocking lens, rose-coloured glasses. And then it goes from that, like you said, to, you know, um, you know, 
oh my God, I'm not coping. But it's the everyday stuff is where we grow and learn the most and where we can actually form the biggest bonds with each other as mums, I find, because we're, yeah. not, we're not alone. Like we're not exactly. alone. We're all going through similar things. We just don't talk about the mundane stuff as much, but that's where most of the bulk of the stuff happens. And because that hug is mum vision is so strong and the this is so hard as, is presented as the only alternative, we feel that we can't really speak and, and connect on those things because we're the only one or because it's not interesting to someone or because we don't need help and to talk about this stuff would be complaining. And yeah, we're all sitting yes, there thinking yeah. the same things in yeah. isolation. Yeah. You, mm, yeah, the you boredom feel boredom and the loneliness yeah. and the guilt and the I wrote a blog a couple of uh, weeks ago about just I've just gone through a period where I've been the most angry that I've ever been and the whole book is about like helping mums to cope with their the emotions of motherhood and I'm still doing this every day ah <sighs> it's yeah. a it's a real it's a real battle to overcome some of that silence, but the language around what is happening to us and inside us physiologically, neurologically, hormonally, and then what's happening outside of us socially, all the different conditioning, all the systems we interact yeah. with, all the Instagram stuff, all the mumfluencer, all the advertisements, all the like Mother's Day is a time that, for once, supposedly, you're not meant to be responsible for your children, but Father's Day, oh, how novel. It's a day to spend with your family. Like, we've been fed this message to, these messages for a really long time. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, and um, they're so ingrained. Yeah, they're so ingrained, all those messages, and it, it, they're almost unconscious now. Yeah, we're, we're that's so, it. It's, it's all internalised. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I know so for we me. We might not know why we feel guilty. Yeah, and for me, I feel a lot of guilt a lot of the time about complaining about things like I don't want to make dinner tonight or I'm sick of having to, you know, I feel guilty when I'm like, oh, do we have to go to sport this Saturday? Like I feel mm. a lot of guilt around those things because I feel like I'm not being grateful because, yeah. you know, I've got two healthy kids. We, we have a very good life. You know, I've got so much to be grateful for and I feel guilty complaining about those things. Yeah, I get that too. But that's part of the thing. Yes, is that that's right we are told that it's greedy to ask for more and that we should be happy with what we're given. But then we're not given, given any support to make what we've given a full, a fulfilling life. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mm. I love that. So the book is coming out very soon. So we're Mm -hmm. recording this sort of mid to end April and this episode will air in a few weeks so we'll have all of the links in the show notes page today so you guys can head over and check out Anna's book and obviously connect with her as well I would love for you to share Anna with just while we're talking about like business stuff and then we'll move into like mum stuff and I'm really keen to hear the when we switch over to mum stuff how you you know share like your mum journey because you work with mums and you're kind of living in that zone all the time as a business yeah. hat, but then you've got to have, you've got your mum hat as well. But while we're still talking about business, like what has been for you your biggest challenge and then your biggest highlight in business? It's interesting. I think the biggest challenge is having my daughter around, but 
the biggest highlight is having my daughter around. Yeah, yeah. I can so, totally understand that. <laughs> the challenge is that is that I don't have a kid that sleeps. I don't have a kid that can be on your lap while you're working. I don't have a kid that can be set up at an activity station or in front of a TV. She's not interested in any of that stuff. She's just interested in me and playing with me. And that makes getting anything done a real challenge. It's It's been quite a process of letting go to write the book and, and edit it, which has taken a really lot longer than I thought it would. And to do any of those things, it's taken purposefully building my village of support yep. and letting go of guilt about asking the people who are already in my inner circle for more and too much. So in that sense, the biggest challenges are, yes, having her around, but also wrestling with that patriarchal construction of motherhood that we've just been talking about, essentially, of stop asking for more, it's greedy. Yes. And and also hustle (laughs) hustle culture is so ingrained in society now, particularly for women. You kind of expected, I don't think us women really expect ourselves to do it, but for some reason, like society's just got this expectation that you you can be a mother and have a business or have a job and put food on the table every night and do all those things. And it's so ingrained Mm. in us now that when us women decide to become business owners, we almost kind of expect of ourselves that we can actually be a full-time mother and a full-time business owner at the same time. And you really can't do both of those things full-time simultaneously at the same time. So you do have to let go of some guilt and you do have to ask for help and you do have to sometimes structure your business very differently to be able to get the things done. Mm, Absolutely. And the days that I am most stressed is when I'm trying to mother full time, follow up all the things that I need to follow up my business on my phone and make sure that the dishwasher gets on, the laundry gets hung out, all of those things. And it's not feasible to be doing those things and really feeling great. No, no. These things are best done in allocated time and to get the allocated time I need I need childcare yeah that's just part of the deal so part of what's really helped me with that is reframing asking for help with childcare as providing opportunity for others to have the joy that I have with her yeah so there is a woman in our street that lost her husband in the last year or so and it's a great source of joy for her if my daughter comes over to if we both go over to her house for half an hour so I can make some calls and they can play in the garden and I have to consciously choose to do that because it's it's easier mentally to say oh I'll just do it while she's around I'll set her up with some things but the stress that I feel in doing those things and the efficiency that I am on the phone is so low compared to setting that setting that time aside and inviting others in 
there's another colleague of my husband's who doesn't have children and she has been coming over once a week in the afternoons after after they finish work for about an hour and the trade-off is that she has a lovely play and a lovely time I get some work done or I cook dinner and she gets to take some home or whatever so the joy that I suppose one of the highlights is seeing how my work not only lights me up but it gives the opportunities for others to be lit up by my daughter as yeah. well and having the flexibility that is just the dream yeah. for so many people and we've just gone through a really rough patch of separation anxiety it's still there a bit but it's so much better however she's not allowing me to drop her at childcare anymore so we use a family daycare the arrangement is at the moment that I bring her to daycare but I'm still sitting in sight somewhere doing my work and she's checking with me often and it's the kind of situation that I might feel a bit frustrated with because I'm not getting as much done as I want to and this is my work day and woe is me and I should be able to have one day to myself and I cancelled my hair appointment so I could stay with you and all of these things but it's also the exact sort of thing that mums who need to go off to another job and leave their kid in care whether they want to be there or not they don't have that flexibility so it's a huge yeah something to be hugely grateful for as well yeah I can like I so appreciate that like I worked in a corporate job when my kids were before school age mm -hmm. not so much Ella was pretty good she never really had any separation anxiety really she was just a cruisy kid like she cruised into the world and has kind of cruised <laughs> through the world ever since you know yeah, she has her moments obviously like every kid does but overall that's kind of her personality but Marley's my younger she's everyone knows she's my little firecracker every emotion she feels is felt with extreme force <laughs> It's kind of how she goes through life. But she was she was the one she like just, I don't know, she just like made a stamp on the world the moment she was born, that kid. But she was the one that had a fair bit of separation anxiety. And I remember many times when we were going through that stage and I had to go to a secular job and sitting there thinking, do I need to take long service leave and not work for a little while? Or what am I going to do? Because it was so stressful having to just go, it, it kind of went against every mothering instinct I had to go, mm. I'm going to just leave you now and go, you'll be okay. But the expectation is that that's what you do. It's like drop and run and go to work. And you're not meant to feel any emotion about that. You're meant yeah. to be able to do that. You're meant to be then, able to switch off. Yeah. You're meant to be able to go to work and switch off and be able to do. Your right thing. now you're an employee. Yeah. And it just, it was a really hard time. I really struggled with it. And was so close to taking some extended leave because of how stressful it was. I'm not saying that having like, and I honestly say, because my kids are both at school, that any mum with kids under school age that works from home, I take my hat off to them because it is a juggle to, to mm. do both of them. I get the luxury of school hours off from the kids every day. So I get plenty of alone time to do my work. And I have absolute full respect for any mum that has kids at home and is, is managing a business at the same time. But in saying that, you know, some of the things you've just said, 
they're really creative ways of still being able to do both and not feeling mm-hmm. like you have to just go, okay, they're going to go to, you know, maybe a daycare center. Like, you know, you're, you're sitting there at the family daycare, you've got the lady down the road that you go and see. And I think it's a really powerful message for mums to, you know, think a little bit more outside the box around how you can get a bit of extra time. It doesn't always have to be sending them to a daycare center. It can be mm. other ways, like you say, with that building of your village. Yeah. It, you. It's not a skill that we've developed no, in our not at all. asking for help. But there are some really creative ways that we can start doing these things. One thing that I'm looking at starting up just in the next week or two, actually, a friend and I have decided that one day a fortnight we're going to get together. She has a son the same age as my daughter. We're going to get together for, say, three or four hours. We'll each have an hour or two to do just whatever we want, whether that is work or that's just like go for a run or meditate or paint or whatever we want to do. We're going to have an hour each set aside where we're just by ourselves and then we'll have some time all together in the middle. And so we'll just sort of make an arrangement that way so that we can enjoy mothering because I think a lot of the time we're told to fill our cup we need some alone time I think that's crap most of the time yeah what we need is people around us to be able to enjoy mothering together because when you're with other people it doesn't feel that are on the same page as you it doesn't feel like such a chore and it doesn't feel nearly as hard like if you have a partner and you get to the end of the day and you've been by yourself all day I just want to throw her to him and say just take her I can't even deal anymore but if there's been other people around that's not that's not the vibe yeah no, nothing to my family dynamic or to yeah. my business dynamic or to the relationship I have with my parents or whoever I think we can sort of glamorize this vision of mothering under trees or mothering in a big village or whatever and that's not to say that it was easy then, but I don't think it was as pressure cooker context as it is now. Yeah, because we've, you know, we've just been taught to, to, to do it alone, really. We've been taught to yeah. do it very solo, very isolated and, you know, and, and wearing that busy with a badge of honour and all that sort of stuff that, mm. you know, I, I agree, like the village isn't necessarily... Not, not to ever say parenting wasn't, wasn't a challenge because it always is, I think. But like you say, it's that extra energy that you get from having other people around and the kids get from having other kids around. It just makes bearing the load easier, I think. Yeah, and it can be really difficult to think about what your village might look like if you're in a place where you don't have mm. your, your inner circle. But I invite families to think about who you could include in your professional village that's not just daycare who in your area can make your life easier for you so that might be a a food home delivery service that once a week you get a big box of fruit and veggies brought to your door and you know that yes you can do a top-up shop at different times but you're not going to spend two hours pushing a heavily laden shopping trolley with kids stuck in there pestering each other because you're just ducking in for a quick shot it might be that 
there's a mobile mechanic that means that instead of dropping your car in to have a service and then you having to like loiter around the car park with your baby trying to feed awkwardly over beside the tree, that they can just come to your house and service your car and you can do your renewal of your registration then. So there are different ways that we can potentially make our lives easier now because technology exists and it can be used for good as well as for evil. And I think that we can, yeah, start to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, I'm such a big advocate for outsourcing stuff around the home. You know, I've got a cleaner. Mm. There's plenty of, like you said, meal delivery services or people that will come and do the washing for you if you have to or a lawn, someone that does your lawns or any of those things. And they just free up time and, and mental space for you. You know, outsourcing yeah. some home tasks can often be the simplest and sometimes even the most cost-effective ways to outsource in terms of getting things done. Yeah, and I think it would surprise people that sometimes having someone like a housekeeper, which sounds like a very you know, Victorian white privilege sort of thing to say, but if somebody comes and not necessarily to do cleaning, but if you have the means to have someone come and change all your beds yeah. for an hour, that might mean that might be actually more cost-effective option than having the same amount of childcare and, you know, dropping them or organising a babysitter or doing whatever else. So I think next, next thing on my list is to get a cleaner too. I don't have that home help sort of situation yet, but as my business grows, that's my... I think that is the first staff member that I'll put yeah. on a regular basis is a cleaner. Yeah, for sure. And look, you know, my girls are 10 and going on 13 now. So they also have their own chores and pick up, you know, yeah. certain things that they need to do around the house as well. And they're pretty good. I mean, they're kids, so they always <laughs> complain about it. I don't think they necessarily like doing chores, but, you know, they know that the more they help me, then the more we get to do fun stuff. So, yeah. you know, there's a payoff there for them. All right, so let's switch up to talking about mum life now. So you've told us, uh, you know, a little bit about your family. Anything else you want to share about like your family dynamic or your journey as a mum so far? My journey as a mum also relates to the journey into my work, really, because I do work in the motherhood space. I had quite an extended time of unexplained infertility. And when I did eventually fall pregnant, great pregnancy, great home birth, great postpartum experience. And although I think I mostly just got lucky with the health thing, I'd done all my, you know, being active and things as much as I could yeah. during the pregnancy. But when it came to feeling good after birth, there was a lot of things that I'd put in place to prepare for my, that initial postpartum period. So around the world, the first six weeks or so is really revered in most cultures, traditional cultures. Women are really just cocooned in love, like massaged and fed gorgeous foods and pretty much they don't do anything except rest and learn to fall in love and breastfeed their babies and everything else is done for them and their bodies are allowed to heal during that time. There's ceremony and ritual. People are all around them. And here we're really, you know, we're given some gifts and then people feel like they don't want to intrude or butt in and partner slots back into their usual work roster and we're left with, you know, 
microwave lunches and daytime TV for for company. And so I really put a lot of strategies in place to avoid that being my reality. I was really worried about getting postnatal depression. I'd had some depression in my history before and along my family lines and I was really concerned about that. So I had this wonderful experience where I did feel really nourished and I did feel really supported by people around me who I'd purposefully enlisted ahead of time because I knew that I wasn't great at asking for help when I was already in trouble. And I wanted to be able to share that an experience like that was possible for for modern women in Australia. And so a lot of people come to birth and postpartum work after having a rubbish experience. And my experience was really the opposite. And I, I did hit a patch of postnatal anxiety around four months postpartum, but I, because I had done my research ahead of time, sort of weaving the parachute before you need it, I knew where to reach out for, for help. And I sort of, I got myself help as I was sliding down, not when I was in the pit. And I feel like people don't find out about the resources until they're already scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So my experience with raising my daughter she's just turned two and it's been a real process of self-exploration and re-understanding myself which in some ways has been really frustrating because I thought that I'd done all my inner work along six years of coming to terms of whether or not I would be able to have children and I thought I reached a really good place of mindfulness and acceptance and all of those things. And in some ways, those tools have been very, very useful. It means that I can extend my fuse when I'm really frustrated with her. I can be with her when she still wants to read the same book for the eighth time in a row and I'm just really (laughs) over it. I don't lose the plot when we're going to be 10 minutes late to something because we're about to leave exactly now and that's when she does a poo and I need to go and change her again so there are things that have certainly helped me from that pre-baby toolkit to yeah have more ease and flow but it has still surprised me the intensity of motherhood and of child raising I have a baby that was pretty much like allergic to sleep she still you know She'll still often wake if I get up out of our family bed to go to the bathroom at night and she's definitely not a newborn anymore. So it's been, yeah, it's been a real process of slowing and getting uh, or neutralising some of my really type A perfectionist-driven personalities but knowing that other parts of me exist that I can call on. Well, you, tra- you transform when you become a mother. You do. Into another, do. not a, I don't say different, just another version of yourself. Yeah. You're still there, 
all the things that you've learned up until the day you become a mother, they're still tools that serve you, but you just learn a whole bunch of new ones. That's it. That's it. Yeah, because it is, there's, you can take an MRI scan of the brain and know just from the MRI scan whether this person has been pregnant or not. Wow. There's been a huge, there's a huge neural rewiring where your brain sheds all of these connections that aren't so relevant to baby's yes. survival. And it takes like this study that I'm referring to, I can't think of the authors right now, but it followed women and did these MRI brain scans up until two years postpartum and women's brains still not finalized their their transformation or their software upgrade by that point yeah there are some experts that suggest that they call it matrescence which is like how adolescence is becoming an adult matrescence becoming a mother so that this process can take up to seven years after the baby after the first baby is born and I haven't been able to find any data, say, if you have another baby at that point, if it goes on for another seven years. So it's a really long-term kind of process of trying to learn yourself and to learn your baby at the same time. Yeah, and then you have another one and they're a totally different child. Exactly. And you sit there and go, oh, the thing I did last time doesn't work now. What do I do with you? (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's been really fascinating. It's been really intense to have someone need you so much. Yeah. No, I I can totally appreciate that. And, you know, like my girls were born, like Ella's nearly 13. So I was pregnant 13 years ago. She was born in 2008. And, you know, the, the landscape of support that you have as a pregnant woman prenatal postnatal has changed dramatically in Mm. that 13 years you know I am very honest and have spoken very honestly a number of times about the fact that you know I feel like I had virtually no postpartum support except for if I I went and packed up my child and went to the community nurse, which sometimes I just didn't feel like doing because I was tired and she'd been up all night or anything. There wasn't as many people that would come and visit you back then. And it was just a lot more of a clinical process. So, you know, really, you, you felt, really did feel very alone in navigating what you were doing. And I was very, I feel very fortunate. I had a lot of friends who were having children around the same time. So we really did have a mm. village of people I did have that village and I'm so grateful for it because I didn't feel that anything in I guess you know the system of healthcare, whether it be you know like clinical care or you know other sort of therapies there wasn't as much around yeah back then I think some of those things do really exist now the trouble that I find is that a lot of them are really hit and miss in their quality Mm. or are conflicting in their advice there's still a lot of sort of behaviorist based approaches to things that say well your child is only clinging to you because they know that you will give them attention it's like yeah well that's the whole point like they're seeking your connection because you are their only lifeline their brain is totally undeveloped for emotional regulation until they're three years old at least they 
they need you. And there are a lot of, even the really, what are usually really reliable government-backed resources that are not up to date with the last 20 or 30 years of psychological mm. research and how that translates to baby care. And I think that that is kind of what is separating women from accessing their instincts at a time that they are perhaps yeah. best placed to develop them because we're, as women, we're pushed out of listening to our instincts by, by drives for schooling achievement and for yeah. sport becoming competitive so young and for corporate ladder climbing and smashing the glass ceilings and diet culture and all these things that mean that we're disconnected from what actually feels good for us. Mothering is the one time that we're kind of in our own little bubble away from all of those little things and it's the time that we could be learning and connecting and healing some of that distrust that we have from ourselves but then the resources are telling us that you're doing something wrong yes and the yeah. huggies mum is saying you're doing something wrong and this person over here is saying well this worked for my baby so what's wrong with you you must be doing it incorrectly yes 100 percent that's what I love so much about people like yourself doing the sort of work that you're doing in the world because it's giving mums a new way of doing things than what you would find in the mainstream and helping them break down some of those inbuilt stories that sometimes you're even unaware mm -hmm. of I think until the moment happens that you go oh my god I am have been had this inbuilt story and you didn't even know you had it you know yeah it's not until someone else's words come out of your mouth and you go where did I even get that from or yeah. that's exactly the message that I'm trying to avoid yet I just found myself self-perpetuating it, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so you've shared a little bit about how you juggle mm. business and mum life is there anything else that works for you you haven't shared that you'd love to share with us today I think having mentors has been a really big thing for me during yeah. this time and not expecting the one mentor to mentor me on everything to feel like a crutch so I had mentors for mentors for parenting mentors for business, mentors for book writing, mentors for energetic stuff. You know, I'm, I've found the people that I've resonated with and gone to them rather than finding myself in big groups that will give me 60 opinions on what I should do instead of the person who will give me options and guide me to what feels good for me. So I have found that being mentored and finding a key group of, say, two or three other mums that are really on the same page just to do a full voice message, verbal download of everything that they can listen to when they're not also juggling a baby and they can respond to me and we can have, I suppose it is almost like mentoring for each other to just, yeah, totally. Get through it. It's like therapy, but you're not trying to catch up at a cafe where you're both juggling children and the toddler's running off down the street. And Because let's face yeah. it, how many cafes are really set up for kids? <laughs> not very yeah. many, you know. Very, very few. <laughs> and like, some, of the, some of the people that have that, the people that I've found to be really wonderful who I've met 
after having a baby are the ones who we have established that we have similar interests, similar values, similar perspectives, similar stages of life, all those sorts of things. And then a lot of those times those people are geographically distant from me. A lot of these people I've never met in real life before. But possibly even because there's no expectation to ever say, oh, let's, we should catch up soon. Let's do this again soon. I really, I pour my heart out to these people and they yeah. can do exactly the same back. And so I think being mentored really has given me some great experience and tools and strength and space in myself to be able to mentor other people. It is an interesting process though because sometimes people are seeking advice and mentoring from me on things about parenting because they resonate with the approach that I have, the messages that I share on my social media, whatever it is, and their children are older than mine. And I really have to check myself and go, okay, this person is coming to me for a reason. I still, I do have something to offer for them. Oh, definitely, definitely. So I think these days, like, you know, a lot of mums with older kids and, I'm talking like teenagers and stuff. Sometimes too, they've got a lot of, and I know I have until, you know, reasonably the last probably few years, I'd say sometimes a bit of unresolved trauma from mm. when their children were babies because yeah, the way they lived or thought they had to live wasn't really congruent with how they really wanted to parent or how they wanted to mother because there wasn't another option wasn't shown to them. They just had to fit the mould that was given to them at the time because they weren't shown any other option. So, like, I know, you know, you work in that postpartum, you've got a young child, it's very different to to mothering a teenager, like extremely different. But there's so much value there, I think, and a lot of women haven't healed some of that stuff yet. I can see why they'd be so attracted to your message, even though Mm -hmm. the postpartum phase is so different to parenting like a 16-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah, I do love being a connector though. Um, I really enjoy interviewing some of those people that have really wonderful messages around like consent and body safety from the start and how I can be doing that with my child. But they still have examples or wisdom to give to the people who are raising teenagers now. Mm. And I think weaving these things all together is a really wonderful thing. And I love, I actually love being in women's circles where there are women who are, who are grandmothers and women who have a two week old baby. And we've all got something to give and to share to each other. Totally. 100%. So where can everyone find you on the internet if they want to connect with you and yeah, tell us, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to chat to you more. Yeah, cool. So you can find me on Instagram at Anna Cusack Postpartum or my Facebook page is Anna Cusack Complete Mama Support. I have a website, www.annacusack.com.au and if you add a slash book to the end of that, that's where you'll find all the links to the book. And you can also listen to my podcast, Motherhood Made Magic, wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube as well. Cool. And all the links to that will be in the show notes page anyway for everyone to find you and connect with you more. Well, it's been so great having you on the podcast today. I think it's just been such a lovely conversation and I know that so many mums will 
100% resonate with it. And it's a really nice break for me to, to, you know, like my, my podcast has been so predominantly like marketing and business, but you yeah, know, it's a real beautiful, yeah, it's a really nice way to, it's still business because we're talking about mums doing business and how we juggle the two, but it's that a really nice move away from, you know, so much strategy stuff and still beautiful, valuable messages though, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much, Anna. See you, Stacey. Thanks for listening to the Social Hub Podcast. You can find the show notes for today's episode over at all the W's, thesocialhubau.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to join me in my community and continue the conversation, jump over to Facebook and join the Social Media 101 Facebook group. Until then, stay classy.